You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. If you missed the last two weeks of our series, Pastor Ben and Pastor Bobby, they did an outstanding job of taking us through the first two chapters of First Peter. We've already established in the last two weeks that Peter was writing to people who were living like exiles or foreigners. They'd been exiled and they'd been sent away from their homes, from their comfort, from their stability, and from their freedom. And these believers had been suffering persecution. They had been facing hostility and harassment. They were suffering, and their suffering was a witness for Jesus. And in chapters 1 and 2, we see that they were called to leave their old way of life and to live differently from those around them. We see this in the way that Peter addresses slaves at the end of chapter 2. We see it in the way that he addresses wives and husbands at the beginning of chapter 3. And we're not going to be focusing on these verses today, but I really recommend watching the Bible Engagement Project video. We posted it to our church's Facebook page, and it does an excellent job of providing a historical and a cultural framework uh, for these verses that are often misunderstood. But uh, to live this way... The way that Peter was asking them to live, it was countercultural, totally opposite from the way that others were living around them, and this would be their greatest witness. But Peter stops and he acknowledges that suffering for doing good is not easy, and yet he promised them that God would reward them for it. We're going to take a moment, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to read some scripture. Jesus, I just thank you so much that your word is powerful. Your word is anointed. I thank you that you're here, that you desire to speak to us from your word, and I just ask that you would do just that, that you would quiet the noise in our lives so we can be in tune with your Holy Spirit to receive whatever you have for us today. We open up our lives, and we say, speak to us, change us, show us, God, who you are and how you want to work in us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. So if you have your ESV journals, you're welcome to grab it. If you have your Bible, grab it. Open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's the chapter we're focusing on today. We're going to begin reading in verse 8. If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. You can follow along. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what's good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than it is for doing evil." For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So it's one thing to suffer 
when you've made a terrible decision, right? We reap the consequences of our choices. That's just the way it is. It's another thing entirely to suffer when you're doing good, when you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing and horrible things are still happening. But as long as we live on this earth, difficult things are going to happen. In several places in scripture, we're told to expect it. In the next chapter, 1 Peter 4, he tells us, don't be surprised at the trials that you're going through as though something strange is happening to you. He says, instead, be glad. Suffering is a prevalent theme in all of the New Testament. As believers, we are going to go through difficult times. Jesus tells us in countless places to expect it. John 16, he said, here on this earth, you will have many sorrows and trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Suffering as a believer is inevitable. So if we're supposed to expect it, if it's a guaranteed part of our story, what should our response be in the middle of suffering? Pastor Bobby asked us an awesome question last week. He said, how do we live as kingdom people in a fallen world? And he did an awesome job of bringing us through the scriptures and answering that question. And today, in light of our chapter that we're studying, chapter three, I want to take that question one step further. How do we live as kingdom people while we are suffering in a fallen world? How do we respond to suffering? Peter shows us how in chapter three. Number one, we keep on loving others. Look at verses eight and nine in our passage. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. On the contrary, bless, for to this you were called. How we treat other people in the midst of our suffering is so important. How we love others, it really matters to the Lord. Not only do we receive God's blessing, his word says, but it's such a powerful witness to those around us. These exiles that Peter were writing to, they probably felt like they had no voice in the communities that they were living in. And yet Peter was showing them they still had a voice. That loving others would be a powerful witness for the Lord. It's really tempting in difficult circumstances to make excuses for how we treat people, isn't it? It's easy to justify why we treat people bad. Well, you know what? It's not, life's not fair. I'm really going through a lot right now and they're just going to have to deal with it. This is just the way I am or things just haven't been working out for me. You know what? And so tough. It's just the way, just the way I am. We don't take responsibility sometimes, but God commands us in the midst of our suffering to really love each other. This is where the rubber meets the road. We're called, we just read it, to be tender hearted to keep a humble attitude, to sympathize with each other, to not retaliate. That when we're insulted, we don't insult them back. Instead, we pay them back. What do we pay them back with? A thunk on the head? An exaggerated eye roll? A sarcastic comment? Do we smack them in the face? No. God says, pay them back with a blessing. This is what I've called you to do. And his word says he will grant us his blessing. And Peter goes on in our passage in verses 10 and 11. He quotes right out of the Old Testament, out of uh, Psalm 34. He says, whoever of you desires to love life and see good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking lies, turn away from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. God commands us to seek peace and to pursue it. Romans 12 Uh, I love Romans 12. I'm going to be giving you guys a lot of scriptures today because honestly, nothing that I say is going to make a difference. It's all about God's word. Amen. 
So I have a lot of scriptures. Bear with me. Romans 12, verse 17 and 18. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with others. We can't control others, right? But we can control ourselves. And sometimes ourselves are the hardest ones to control, amen? It's easy to take our stress out on people around us. I do it all the time and I have to come back and say, Jones, I call my husband Jones, Mike, will you forgive me? I've been a dingbat. Havily, Hudson, Oren, Evelyn, you know what? I'm really sorry, will you forgive me? It's easy to take our stress out on others, right? But God says, no, in your difficulty, in your hard days, I want you to walk in humility before people. I want you to be tender toward those around you. I want you to be kind. I want you to really love people. Kindness, you guys, it really, really matters. This is a principle that I've done my best to instill in my children. It's something that I strive to live for. Proverbs 3, listen to this. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. How many want a good reputation? How many want favor with God? How many want favor with people? Be kind. It really matters. If you look in our passage in 1 Peter at verse 16, I love this. When you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. If people speak against you, they're going to be ashamed when they see the good life that you live. I want to ask you today, how do you treat others? Think about it for a second. How do you really treat others? How do you treat people? Are you easily irritated? Are you quick to retaliate? Are you judgmental? Are you critical? Are you easily offended? Are you quick to get angry? Do you fly off the handle? Do you jump to conclusions? Or are you tenderhearted? Are you compassionate? Do you sympathize with others? Are you quick to listen? Are you patient? Are you gentle? Are you kind? Do you keep a humble attitude? These questions I'm asking you are all principles from God's word on what love looks like, what he expects of us, even in the midst of our suffering. John 13, 35, Jesus said, the world will know that you belong to me by your love. That's how you will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your life will speak the loudest for Jesus when you really love others, especially when you're suffering. And if there was anybody that ever modeled that for us, it's Jesus, right? He was the ultimate example of what love looks like in the midst of suffering, So how do we respond to suffering? First, we keep loving others. Second, we worship instead of worry. Let's look further on in our passage at verses 14 and 15. Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. Don't be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. Instead of worrying, Peter says, worship. Do I have any worriers in the room? Okay, some of y'all are being honest. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. I'm a worrier sometimes, all right? How easy is it to worry when we're going through crazy stuff, when we're suffering? It's natural to focus on all the things that we're going through, to be consumed with our circumstances. 
and all the negative things that are happening around us. How many of you, you go through one bad thing after the other and you think, when is it going to end? Why can't I catch a break? Maybe you lay down at night and you just, you can't even sleep because you're so consumed with all the things that you're going through. Kind of plays over in your head like a loop. Or maybe you're thinking so much about all the things that people around you are going through. How do you flip the switch? How do you gain a better perspective? How do we stop worrying? Peter tells us. Instead, we worship We worship. Peter says to honor the Lord. And there is something remarkably profound about worship. Worship is not just about singing songs. It's not about setting an atmosphere. It's not about making us feel good. It's not about entertaining us. It's not just something that we do on a Sunday morning because we feel like it. It's so much more. Worship is about taking our focus off of ourselves and off of our circumstances and putting them on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, let us run with endurance the race that God has marked out for us. We do this, we do this, we live this life by keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's not a one-time event. It doesn't, it's not like we just go, okay, Jesus, I look to you once and I'm good. We, it's keeping, it's a continual thing that we have to do. When we worship, we're reminded of how powerful and how holy our God is. When we worship, we're reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus, which we're going to get to in a minute. We're reminded that even though today is tough, God is still good, that God loves us, that God always has a plan. Through worship, we're reminded that he will make all things right in the end. Worship changes our perspective. We go from worrying and complaining and stressing to walking in faith. Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits or dwells in the praises of his people. When we worship him, we are inviting his presence into our lives and into our circumstances. Amen? One of my favorite songs ever to listen to is a song called Gratitude. I believe it's by Brandon Lake. And he says, God, all my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How can I express my gratitude? So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again. God, when I'm struggling, I will praise you again and again. When I'm overwhelmed, God, I'll praise you again and again. When I'm frustrated, I'll praise you again and again. I've walked through a lot of difficult and painful and really dark moments in my life. And like you, I've had my fair share of suffering. And the last thing that I felt like doing when I'm suffering is worshiping, I'm going to be honest. But in the times that I've chosen to do it anyway, it's been a game changer for me. Are you going through a difficult time today? Quit worrying and worship the Lord. Are you being treated unfairly in some way, even though you've not done anything wrong? Worship God. Have a heart of gratitude and worship God. Are you walking a difficult road this morning? Are you suffering in some way? Worship God. Thank him for his forgiveness. Thank him for dying for you. Thank him for his provision. Thank him that you're headed to heaven. Thank him that you have a hope and a future. Worship God. And when you do, your perspective will change. Your circumstances might not change, but how you view them will. God will begin to renew your mind. 
Through worship, God will transform your thoughts. And instead of dread and fear and worry and doubt and discouragement and hopelessness, there will be peace. There will be joy. There will be confidence. There will be strength. There will be hope. How do we respond in suffering? We keep loving people. We worship instead of worrying. And last, we know our hope and we explain our hope. Look at our passage in verse 15. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready, Peter says. I can guarantee you this morning that if you are living the first two points of this message, if you're consistently loving others in the midst of your suffering, and you are doing your best to worship God instead of worry, I can tell you people are going to notice. They're going to notice that something is different about you. Peter says be ready for it. In the spirit of memes, this is one of my favorite ones that my daughter, I believe it was my daughter that shared it with me one time. It's uh, Michael Scott from The Office. Uh, he's a hilarious boss. I, I have a boss kind of like him. No, I'm just kidding. My boss is nothing like him. I have the best boss in the world. <laughs> Why are you the way that you are? He's asking one of his employees. <laughs> Why are you the way that you are? I can guarantee you if you are living the way that Jesus is asking you to live, you're going to have somebody take notice and they're going to ask you, why are you the way that you are? What's different about you? What's wrong with you? Peter says, always be ready to explain it, but do it with gentleness and respect. I think some of us believers, we're not ready to explain our hope because we don't fully understand the hope that we have in Jesus. Or some of us, we understood it at one time, but the tough stuff of life has consumed us to the point where we have forgotten and we've got to be reminded. If the hope of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and where you're headed is not fully alive inside of you as a believer, how can you share it? I want to ask you that again. If the hope of who Jesus is, and what he's done for you, and where you're headed is not alive inside of you as a believer, how can you share it? I want to remind you today, in case you have forgotten, or you've never heard about our blessed hope. Look at our passage in verse 18 and in verse 22. Jesus also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Down to 22, Jesus has gone into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Jesus conquered death. He died so you and I could live, and he loves us more than we will ever comprehend. And he has power over death. And because he's victorious, so are we. First Peter chapter one, he says, you have a priceless inheritance beyond the reach of change and decay. Nothing can steal your future as a believer. Nothing can take away your eternity or your hope. Most of us, we don't have a rich uncle who's going to leave us $90,000 someday, right? Doggone it. It is what it is. But you know what? Because of Jesus, we have so much more than that. We have a priceless inheritance. We get to live forever. It doesn't matter what we face on this earth because in the end, we're victorious. Romans 8 says that nothing will ever be able to separate us from God's love. 
That's incredible. Listen to this. Revelation 21, verse 4. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All of these things are gone forever. Can you imagine a world with no sorrow, no pain, no crying, no death? It's kind of beyond our realm of understanding. We have to continuously remind ourselves of the hope that we have in Jesus. And then when we know it, we can share it because it's too good not to. Amen? This morning, I was tempted to put all of you on the spot and make you stand up and share your story with each other and share your testimony with each other, but I'm not going to do that today. You guys can all breathe a sigh of relief. But I am going to put one person on the spot. Pastor Bobby, I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you come up here, please? Let's give this guy a hand. Woohoo, Pastor Bobby. Pastor Bobby, why are you the way that you are? And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just Got a lot of issues. <laughs> no, it's fine. I do too. Uh, how did Jesus change your life? Why do you have hope? Tell us. Yeah, Tell I us. am the way that I am. I grew up uh, not going to church, and a big part of my life was kind of comparing myself to others. And it's easy to compare yourself to other people and feel like you're a good person. So I kind of felt that way. Uh, like, man, I'm a good person, so why do I really need Jesus? I started attending church a little bit, still really didn't see a need. And then uh, August 30th, 2003, I broke into a house. And all of a sudden, uh, in the aftermath of that, getting arrested, I realized that there's a difference between being a good person and being a lawbreaker. And I realized that even though I felt like I was a good person, and I was a good person, I broke the law. And all of a sudden, things like sin made sense to me, that I broke God's law, his rules. And because of that, um, I needed forgiveness, and I needed saving, and I needed grace and mercy. And through all of that, um, I not only discovered what it means to be a sinner, but I also found out what grace and mercy means. Because I went to the court, uh, I ended up pleading guilty, um, and the... Um, Probation officer ended up going to the judge, pleaded with the judge, and I was able to get the minimum uh, sentence. And just uh, through that, uh, and the probation officer was a pastor. Um, and just seeing his grace, his mercy, and his love not only showed me uh, what God's standard is, but also what his grace and his mercy looks like. So that's uh, how I came to discover Jesus. And even after that, there was so much more uh, craziness and difficulty and suffering after that. But Going through all of that and experiencing God's love and grace gave me hope in the midst of everything I faced after that moment. That's so awesome. Thank you for sharing. Let's give him a hand. I appreciate that, Pastor Bobby. You see, as believers, we should be able to answer these questions within a matter of moments. Why are you different? What is your hope? What makes you different? Who is Jesus? We need to know that. What is our blessed hope? It's actually who. It's Jesus. It's who he is, it's what he's done for us, and it's what we have to look forward to. It's an eternity with him. I want you to write these scriptures down in your notes. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. <laughs> the older I get, the more excited I get about having a new body. I resonate with people who joke about pulling a muscle when they get out of bed. Literally just this morning, I was like, my lower back is giving me some grief, and I was trying to put my shoes on, and I was like doing the dance of like, how can I get this on without like 
you know, I was tempted to come with no shoes because it, it was really hurting. We get new bodies, you guys. That's incredible. Uh, back to our blessed hope. <laughs> Titus, I want you to write down Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. More about our blessed hope. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. When we have Jesus, we have hope. Amen? I want to encourage you today, if you are suffering in some way, your suffering, it will not last forever. It will not last forever. There will be an end to it. 1 Peter 5.10 I'm going to steal somebody's thunder, whoever's speaking out of 1 Peter chapter 5. Listen to verse 10. After you have suffered a little while, he will restore you, support you, strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Jesus has promised us that. 2 Corinthians, I want to read this scripture. I know I have a lot of scriptures, but they're so encouraging. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Praise God. Down to verse 23 of Romans chapter 8. While we believers groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Does it mean that God no longer loves us when we go through difficult stuff? No. Further on in chapter 8, he says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble, calamity, if we're persecuted, if we're in danger, if we're destitute, if we're threatened with death? Verse 37, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's really tempting when we're in the middle of suffering to think that God has abandoned us. It's tempting to go, God, where are you? I have felt that way before, and it's not fun. Worship team, if you just make your way forward, I just want to close and share uh, a personal story with you. Uh, Back in 2020, how many of you guys, 2020 was just maybe not your favorite year? It wasn't my favorite year either, um, I'll be honest, but not because of COVID. I mean, that was just kind of the icing on the cake. But uh, I've heard people call that like the, a dumpster fire of a year. So it was just not a good year. But uh, Memorial Day of 2020, I uh, got up like usual, took my daughter on a bike ride. And uh, we went to family's house and we were going to uh, just hang out together. We were going to eat food. We were just going to swim in the pool. And I remember all of a sudden it was like, gosh, I just, I don't feel good. And I remember saying that to my mom 
And I went in the pool house uh, that my in-laws have. It's just a small little uh, concrete, you know, room and uh, with a bathroom. It's like a changing room. And I remember going in there, and I remember all of a sudden going, I really don't feel good. I really don't feel good. And next thing you know, I woke up. I was on the ground, and uh, people were screaming. I thought they were screaming because something else happened to somebody else, but I realized they were screaming because of me. Uh, I had passed out. And I face planted on the cement. I broke my nose in three places. I busted my lip, my face. Uh, and they took me to the emergency room and went and saw lots of different doctors after that. Uh, nobody had any answers for me. I went home. The next three weeks, I was in bed and couldn't get out of bed. And I got really sick. I lost about 25 pounds within a matter of weeks. And I was definitely convinced I was dying. So much so that I started writing letters to my kids and my husband. And I was praying. A lot of people were praying. And you know what's interesting is my healing, while I believed that God could heal me, it didn't happen instantaneously. It didn't happen overnight. I was suffering. I went and saw a lot of specialists, a couple of them threw out pots. Some said I had severe adrenal fatigue. Some of them said uh, Epstein-Barr. I mean, people were throwing all sorts of stuff at me. It didn't really matter. I was going through it and I wasn't getting better fast enough. And I remember so many times asking God, where are you? Where are you? Because I believe, but I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't know where you are. Where are you, God? How many of you have ever felt that way before? Where are you, God? You stand on his word. You pray in faith. You believe, and you're not seeing what you're asking. And one morning, God led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is talking here about the struggles that he was facing. I want you to listen to these words. Paul said, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And I read these words and I'm like, yep, Paul, I'm with you right now. But listen to this. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again because we've placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And I read that passage and it was like the words jumped off the page. God did not cause my suffering, but God was teaching me through my suffering to learn to rely only on him. And I can tell you three years later, I have never more had a desire for God's word than I do right now. I've never more loved him. I've never more wanted to serve him. I've never more been more confident of the hope that I have in him. But it came through those dark days. If you are a human being and you are walking this earth as a believer, suffering will be a part of your story, but it will not last forever. 
Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. He will never fail you. So what should our response be in the middle of suffering? We keep loving people. We worship instead of worry. And we know our hope and we explain our hope. Because when you know the hope that you have in Jesus, you will remember that this will not last forever. Everybody just stand with me, please, this morning. We're gonna close out our time. We're gonna end our time doing what I challenged us in our message, which is worshiping. And we're also gonna pray. And the team is gonna lead us in a song, an awesome song called Son of Suffering. But I wanna ask you this morning, are you suffering in some way this morning? Are you going through it and you're tired, you're weary? Maybe you have felt abandoned by God. Maybe you don't know how it's gonna get better. If you feel that way this morning, just be bold. Come up here and pray with me. You can move right now out of your seats if you want to, come and pray. If you this morning are suffering and going through something and you have not been loving people like you should, come pray with me. If you've been worrying and worrying and you've not been worshiping like you should, come pray with me. If you've forgotten your hope as a believer or you need to be reminded of your hope, come pray with me this morning. God, help us this morning to choose your calling over our comfort, to trust your character, Father, above our circumstances. Help us to remember the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Teach us what it means to love others in the midst of our times. Show us, God, how to worship you instead of worry. Remind us of the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Remind us this morning that you're here, that you will not ever fail us, God. We just thank you this morning and praise you and love you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor Bobby and the team sings, if, you, if God is speaking to you this morning, respond. You can stay at your seat. You can come up here and pray however you want to respond to the Lord, but I just challenge you to respond while God is working in you. Amen. Jesus, we just thank you that in this moment, we can apply the very words that we learn, that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, that whatever we're facing, we can worship you. We can still thank you. That the greatest possible being would express the most beautiful ethic of love in the most profound and powerful way of sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you that you are our example. And Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who understands our suffering because you are the son of suffering. Jesus, we thank you that when we are hurt, when we are in pain, 
when we go through bouts of depression or whatever we face, that we can look to you who took up the cross, who took the scars on his back, that you are a God who not only understands our suffering, but you are a God who has suffered. That suffering doesn't make sense without you, but we thank you that we have purpose, that we have hope, that we have a future because of your suffering, because of your sacrifice. And Jesus, we thank you that that's not the end of your story and it's not the end of ours either because you defeated death, hell, and the grave. You are resurrected, you are ascended, and you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God and you are coming back. Lord, we thank you that we have hope that this isn't the end of our story. God, and I pray for anyone who is going through something right now, someone who is going through suffering, whether at work or at home or through their health, or through depression or anxiety or anything else, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at. And that in their suffering, in their pain, they can see their God who suffered for them. Jesus, we thank you, and we thank you that as we leave this place, we get to take up our own crosses and we get to follow after you into a world that is lost and hurting and broken, a world of suffering looking for hope, let us be the hope bringers and profess that hope to whoever we meet. And we know that as we do, you will go before us, behind us, and all around us. We thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Man, Pastor Jamie, thank you so much for sharing that word today. That was powerful, awesome, incredible. Thank you. You guys can go in the grace of God and we will see you at Rising Up Park tonight at four. Be there, bring a side, and we look forward to hanging out with you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.